That's what I like about Philly, you know? People here are ready for my shit. People here are ready to be real, because we've been through so much. Fought and shed blood, you know? Yeah. Jasmine, hell yeah. society. Hello, listeners. This is Sam, your host. This is the eighth episode of the Escape from Society podcast, in which I am going to more or less just tell you a story. But it's a great story. It's probably my favorite story from the... uh, whole Escape from Society project. Now, as you know, I advertised on Craigslist last year asking people to send me poems or stories or whatever that I would turn into songs. And for the most part, the responses I received were people who more or less have their feet on the ground. But there was one woman from Philadelphia who was sending me lots of stuff. She was sending me stuff like, you know, a poem or two a day for a short period uh, over email. The stuff was terrible, awful poetry. I mean, they were lyrics, they weren't poems. They were definite lyrics for songs that she had in mind. And they would be fragments she'd send me part of one and say this one's going to be big you know if you if you're hip to it I'll send you the rest later or something um so I didn't pay that much attention I thought this stuff was pretty bad but I found one set of lyrics called South Philly Days that I thought uh I could do something with and as I often do uh I sort of composed while I was riding around on my bicycle, I started singing little melodies with the parts of the lyrics that I could remember or making up my own little lyrics to take off from it or whatever. I wound up with a song that I sort of liked, uh, filled it out, had an A section, B section. I thought, okay, this is, this is something I could... Uh, work with it would be sort of a unique it's a little bit of a jazzier piece it's unique could be unique for the record uh but eventually the lady from philly was contacting me just sort of frantically saying like oh you gotta call me i don't know if i will allow you to use my stuff um because i'm worried about maybe you aren't who you say you are or or something and I was just like, oh, Jesus, you know, well, okay. Um, I want to use the song that I've written, so uh, maybe I do actually owe it to her to at least have a little conversation on the phone, right? So I send her my phone number and say, all right, uh, if you want to call me, go ahead. We can discuss the project. And um, I get a call 
and she identifies herself and immediately she asks the question who is hornbuckle <laughs> now i know that if you google my name on the first page of results there's a video of me playing with a guy named david hornbuckle who i used to play with a lot and uh so she had clearly seen the video uh, but it was just it was so funny to me who is hornbuckle you know she's given me the fifth degree uh right out of the gate and here's the deal is she really wanted to verify my identity she went on to tell me about a match.com date she had been on recently where she thinks that the gentleman she went out with was working for Ropadope Records, a hip-hop label in Philadelphia. And she thinks that he was just using her. He was not actually interested in her. He just wanted her lyrics um, to use, you know, to give to the roots and that the roots were going to use her lyrics and become rich and famous. Um, delusional would be a good way to categorize paranoid and delusional. We came to discussing my project, and now that she was convinced that I was who I said I was, she still was not convinced that I wasn't trying to rip her off because, as she said, she was offering me a guaranteed hit. Now think about that. Not knowing at all what sort of style music I was going to write, she knew that this one was going to be big, right? That this was a guaranteed hit solely on the basis of these lyrics alone, uh, which I don't want to quote for you because I don't want to get sued. But they weren't that good. Anyways, um, she goes on to say, like, well, you know, basically all she just wanted was money. She wanted me to give her money. And I said, look, that's outside the scope of this project. I'm just financing it myself with a friend of mine whose small label is going to release it. Uh, we're not making a lot of copies or anticipating any financial windfall from this project. And frankly, if I paid you for your lyrics, then I'd have to really just pay everybody for their lyrics. And that's just not what this is about. It's just not within the scope of this project. And she said, you don't have to pay everybody else. And I said, how do you figure? She's like, well, because their lyrics aren't as good as mine. I'm offering you a guaranteed hit. So I was like, look, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, well, listen, say you play a concert for $500. You give me $250. No, lady, I'm sorry. And so we were on the phone for a while, half hour at least. Um, and at the end of it, I was like, look, so, you know, you understand, like, I... If you don't want me to use your stuff, I won't use your stuff. But yeah, I, I can't pay you for it. That's she's and she's like, okay, well, if you change your mind by, you know, Tuesday, you just give me a call back. And that's where we left it. Although I do remember getting a text from her 
again sometime later she said she was going to be in New York City and maybe we wanted to meet up did not respond to the text did not change my phone number or anything um, so I gotta wonder if this lady is out there and if she has stumbled across the record which does not contain her lyrics but the piece I'm about to play for you which some of you may have heard if you've been listening to the album uh, I wrote my own monologue uh, based on sort of what we had discussed when we were on the phone maybe paraphrasing some of her lyrics but picturing her on this match.com date or on a future match.com date talking about her life her lyrics her poetry what's going on with her and talking about this guy in New York who wanted to use her stuff but he was a total idiot um I'll play the song now and talk about the construction of the song a little bit after we come back from this. I called it South Philly Days, although I changed her spelling of days, D-A-Y-S, to D-A-Z-E. Wasn't that clever? was it that you liked about my profile? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. It's what makes me me, you know? I mean, it doesn't define me or anything. It's just important. Yeah. <sighs> Writing. Yeah. What about you? Are you an artist? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Actually, it might make me more comfortable around you. You can't be too careful, you know. And I think recently I've been too willing to show my stuff to people. Because it's good, really good. And, you know, people are going to make a lot of money off my work if I don't be careful with it, you know? Yeah. I just... I've just been too careless lately with showing it to people I don't know. I'm too trusting, you know? So yeah, maybe it's a good thing that you're not an artist. That you're interested in me, not just my work. That's refreshing. Because I've helped lots of people and, you know, not gotten enough credit. I think the Roots might have my stuff right now. Yeah. But I think when they use it and get famous, they'll realize that I should get the credit and contact me. Which is good, because I've got more stuff to show them that is really good, and they are going to flip. I already know that Questlove loves my shit. It's just a matter of getting the right balance. The right financial arrangement, you know? Getting the proper credit for my work. Gotta look out for ourselves. Yeah. There was this guy in New York. He wanted to work with me, but he didn't know what he was doing. Small time, you know, jazz mentality. Not realizing that he could be successful, I mean. I offered to get him to the next level, but he couldn't see it. 
couldn't see what he had. Yeah. Couldn't come up with the money either, but that's a different story. Probably more of a problem for him than for me. Yeah, you know, sometimes this life brings you in touch with greatness, and you have to be ready to answer the call. Jazz mentality. <laughs> totally unprepared. That's what I like about Philly, you know? People here are ready for my shit. People here are ready to be real, because we've been through so much. Fought and shed blood, you know? Yeah. Jazz mentality. Never gonna wake up to the good stuff. Ah, I hope you like that. That is South Philly Days from the Escape from Society record. And the jazz mentality comment there is not one of my own. That's based on, on something that this person said to me on the phone conversation uh, when I said I would be okay with not using her stuff, that it really wouldn't um, put me out. She said, okay, well, I'm sure you can make a very nice jazz record then. I'm offering to take you to the next level so far. Uh, which I thought, <laughs> that was a nice dig at jazz, that there's some sort of jazz mentality where there's no option for mainstream success, which is certainly based in reality. There's not any mainstream success for jazz musicians on the level that there is for, say, hip-hop musicians in this day and age. But there was a time when, of course, jazz was a mainstream music. And that time could come again, I suppose. I don't know if I can really muse on that very much. But in its penurious state these days, it was definitely a dig. Oh, go ahead and make a very nice jazz record. I'm sure you can do that. Nobody's going to give a shit, but yeah, okay, go for it. Uh, anyways, in the background, you're hearing the sort of jazz arrangement of the jazz portion of this song, which is the part I had written first. It was actually going to be sung. Some of the lyrics fit into this melody, and I was going to sing them, even though it would have been a challenging melody to sing. I don't know what that even, how it would have even sounded. But this is, uh, in the background, me playing the trombone and Charlie Rao playing the guitar, and it's one of the songs that we do. It's a fun song to play. And it wasn't until later that I had the idea, when I started writing the monologue, that I would make that sort of other uh, hip-hop part of the song. Ian brought down his Roland drum pad, and I think we used the 808 sample bank or the 909 or something. Uh, and I love the way Neil mixed that whole section and made it sound nice and fat. The um, the reverb is feeding back that's on the guitars. That's what's getting that crazy swirling sound in the background that I really, really enjoy. What else is there to say? I'm not sure. I feel like we're way past the punchline that this 
episode delivered, but it's good to put this song in, in context for you. It, it is one of the two songs on the record that I actually wrote the lyrics for. Although people who just listen to the album and don't get a uh, primer on it or don't even look at the liner notes assume that I wrote all the lyrics on the record, which is, puts me in an interesting position when they're like, oh man, you're writing some really interesting stuff. I'll take it, although there are some words on the album that I definitely don't like, which I'll talk about in a future episode. Uh, I'll try to produce another one soon. I hope you guys are enjoying these. Talk to you later. Thank mm-hmm. you.